Hi everyone, Tom Panos, John McGrath, how are you, Johnny? <laughs> good, Tom, good, good. Energy, energy, energy. I've just had uh, a coffee and I feel pumped, but the truth is in about <laughs> half an hour I might be coming down. We're going to talk about 24-7 energy, what you can be doing. It's important, isn't it, in real estate, John? I was watching something, there's a great series on Fox at the moment, and, it, and it's something about, it's called Oprah Behind the Scenes or something like that, and it talks about, you know, it's more about how she prepares for her show than her show, because yeah. most of us would know she's now sort of retired from the actual show, and she's doing some series. You know, bottom line was, she said this thing that I wrote down, she said, it's all about energy, that's all, a, that's all we have. And I connected with that, because I've always been someone that believes greatly in you know, it's not fake it until you make it, but it's, if you have energy and not much else, you've still got a damn good chance of doing a great job. Just because energy, passion, enthusiasm will generally find a way to get to the outcome you want to get to. Even if you haven't got some of the smarts and experience and skills yet, energy is where it's about. And that's how I started my real estate career. I mean, I was, as we all are, when we start by definition, we're inexperienced, but I was inexperienced and very young. I was 20 when I started selling. And so I was up against some great agents, Di Jones, who's you know one of the legends, was, was one of my competitors. And I thought, how on earth can I compete with someone like Di Jones, who's, who's older than me and experienced and highly capable and connected in the community? And one of the only things I could do was energy. I, was, I, I thought, well, I'll out-enthuse her and out-passion her. And you know, so I would just bring my energy every day, you know, 10 out of 10. And that made a really big difference. So, I'm right in your corner there when it comes to the importance of energy, but the key thing, of course, is how do you get it? Because a lot of listeners will be nodding their head, but at the same time, there will be a voice saying, yeah, I know the importance of energy, but why haven't I got it? It's a, John, it's a difficult thing because what actually happens is a lot of people, because it's not a tangible thing, because it's something you can't touch, particularly commercial people that are very pragmatic, they sort of say, hang on a second, that's a little bit of a way out our idea. It's a bit like the wind. You, yeah. you, you can't see it, but you know it's there. Yet we know, and you've seen people that don't even know how to fill out an agency agreement properly, don't even know the streets in the area, come into a business and within the first couple of weeks sell a property that's been sitting right. on the books for months and months that the experienced agents that didn't have energy but knew how to fill out an agency agreement, knew that the vendor may have been overpriced, knew that it was in a busy road. This new person, new girl, had no idea, rocks up, shows her best version, it rubs off onto the buyer, the buyer feels as energised as what the agent does and Presto, there's a sale and everyone sort of come back at the office thinking, what on earth happened there? Yeah, beginner's luck as they call it and then the beginner starts believing it was beginner's luck and sometimes stops achieving the results. You've seen that happen, John? Oh, all the time. We, we all have. Again, everyone's nodding in the car saying, yeah, yeah, I did it myself or someone else did it. That unsaleable listing all of a sudden vanished from the books because someone that didn't know it was unsaleable came in. So that's about energy and also beliefs. Um, you know what I'd love to do this podcast, John? I'd love to be able to try and help our listeners feel like it's their day one in real estate again, to have the same energy. So if we can talk about what, what, what are some of the, the, the things that people can actually do to enhance, to, to turbocharge yeah. their energy levels. I'd love to do that. Just before we do that, there was one belief that, that I have that I think is important, which is, you, you're right, energy, it's hard to see. I mean, you can see someone that walks a bit faster and is a bit, you can hear them a bit more enthused, but... It, you know, it, it's not like a building. It's kind of more of a feeling you get. Yeah. But I think we've got to be very clear. I don't care whether you've got great energy and you're listening to this or you haven't because you'll, you can change it whenever you like. It's energy impacts 
everyone around you and it extends well beyond your body. If you think the energy just sits inside your, your skin bag, bag of bones and body, and that's where it's at, you're very, very wrong. People pick up on it. Yeah. As we all know, we, you know, we pick up. If someone's in a bad state, yeah. if someone's got problems, if someone uh, is negative, they don't even have to say anything. You can just feel that vibe and that heaviness. Yeah. So it's really critical because you walk into a vendor or a buyer or an open or an auction and you haven't got that great, clean, enthusiastic energy, that's going to impact everyone en masse. So to the point, I think, you know, and I know you're a believer in this too, Tommy, and, and a great... You know, you, you do it on a daily basis. There's two, two things I think are critical. One is your physical state. Second one is your mental state. And, and I think they're both, both interlinked yeah. and probably equally important because if you don't feel well, if you're sick, if you're low on physical energy, even with a great attitude, it's hard to take that into the community and switch people on. So, you know, I think, you know, that you've, you've got to really look after yourself. And, and unfortunately... Most people that are listening to this, or most people in our community, probably look after their car better than they look after their body. Yeah. You know, I see people smoking every day. I see people drinking copious amounts of alcohol, taking drugs, not exercising, um, you know, putting garbage in their mouth at, at mealtimes, you know, getting all these fast food takeaway stuff. And I just think, you know, come on, you've got to realise that, you know, the importance of looking after your physicality yeah. And it's not that hard. I mean, someone I know went to a doctor down in Double Bay recently, and she came back and she said, you know, the doctor changed my view because I walked in and I said, oh, it's so hard and it's so hard and I've got kids and then, you know, I've got a job and all this. And she said, come on, here's the deal. Looking after yourself is not that hard. If you do half an hour exercise a day and you eat and drink the right things, mm-hmm. you're looking after yourself. You know, and let's assume that you're not doing any of the crazy habits attached to that. And I just thought, wow, that was really good. Because one is it, it stops people from thinking that this is something that's really hard to do. And, oh, my God, looking after myself, that's going to be complicated. It's not. And, and it sort of just it shifted their paradigm. And I saw it worked on them when she said, you know, it's not that hard. Look after yourself. And now I walked out of the doctor's surgery saying, hey, you know, I only got to do a few things. And by the way, she was in pretty good shape anyway, but she was looking to tweak her health a bit more. So, you know, I think, I mean, I'd love to hear your things on physical because you went through that physical challenge a few years ago and you had to reinvent your physical routine and, you know, you yeah, never so, look better. So, John, um, I ripped it up and started, started again because I worked out no matter how many positive audio books I was listening to, uh, no matter how many positive people I spoke to, no matter uh, how many online courses I did or how many ARACs I went to, the bottom line is, if I did not have the physiology, the fuel physically, even though my mind wanted it, I would not be able to perform. And I think you've absolutely nailed it, that there is a lot of people out there that will actually work on one side, and that is the attitude, the knowledge, the skills, but they'll actually forget that there's got to be an instrument driving those things. and. Um, I think you've summed it up when you've said we're not talking about running the New York Marathon. We're not talking about competing in Tough Mudder next month. What we're talking about (laughs) is essentially making some better choices in what goes into your mouth and essentially blocking out half an hour that could be a run, could be a walk. It's just movement of your body. And I think that if the Prime Minister of Australia, I think if... Uh, a pensioner that's looking after grandkids can fit in a walk. I think every real estate agent out there 
Um, it's a no, to me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. It's going to help you sleep better. It's going to give you more energy. It's going to help you go from managing emotions because you know what it's like, John. You go from the heights of exhilaration to the depths of depression in 24 hours in this business. Yep, yep. And having the ability to manage that emotion is an important critical behaviour of success. Well, no, no doubt. Dealing with rejection, as you just mentioned, is a key skill. And I remember you know, Tiger Woods and some people because of... I guess his unmessy private life, you know, don't want to hear too many metaphors about Tiger, but I do remember one thing I read about him many years ago. They said, you know, tell us your skills that have got you to this level. And he said, it's my bounce back factor. He said, often I play a terrible first round and he said, most people then collapse. I go to the practice screen and I mentally get myself retuned overnight and I'm back the next morning and I'm at my best. So anyway, um, look, I think one of the things about these podcasts is we've really committed that we're going to give people real life takeaways, um, not just chitter chatter around the stuff. So I think, you know, here are some of the things that I'd, I'd be recommending people do. You know, it's, it's like a little bit of gentle exercise every day. Let's call it half an hour. And you're right, Tommy. In, in you have 48 half-hour slots in a day. If you take out, you know, maybe uh, a dozen or more for, um, uh, for sleep and rest, you've still got, you know, 30 half-hour slots during the day. Just pick one of them yeah. and go for a walk. Yeah. Do it at lunchtime. Do it in the morning do it after dinner, whatever you do, but just, and, and it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't have to be on a treadmill at 12 kilometres an hour. Yeah. It can just be a walk at a, at a nice pace, you know, not an, a stroll, but just a nice normal pace walk, half an hour a day, that will be enough to at least keep you in some sort of maintenance program. If you've got to lose a bit of weight, you might want to do a bit more, of course, but that'll keep you in maintenance. So that's number one. And to do that, and I know one of your, your great metaphors is join the 5am club, um, you, know, you might have to get up a little bit earlier because we know the chances of you doing it at the end of the day versus being distracted if you, rather than the beginning. You're better to do it at you know, 5, 6, 7 in the morning whenever you choose before you go to work. Um, two reasons. One is you then don't get distracted and excuses because generally there's no distractions at 6 or 7 in the morning. And secondly is you then get the benefit of it all day. Yeah. So right through the day, you're feeling physically good. Beautiful. I think, John, you've said something there that's uh, resonated uh, with me yesterday. I was at Bondi with the uh, family and I ordered a steak and, and greens. And um, as the greens came over, I started eating those uh, first. And uh, my wife said, uh, what are you doing? I said, I'm going ugly early. She goes, <laughs> <laughs> she goes what do you mean? I said, I'm getting rid of I rather the stuff that I've got to do nice and early so I can enjoy that steak. And I think um, yeah. food and exercise, doing it early in the morning, and I think that also applies to your prospecting and all the stuff that is important um, that needs to get done. Go ugly early, I say. Get it out of, <laughs> get it out of the way. Well, Bill it. Gates talks about his most important tasks are finished by 9.15am in the morning. Um, so that's very much in sync You're with like what you've just said. Oh, look, I'm a morning person in terms of I, I sort of I like relaxing at the end of the day. I'm not like working to the midnight oil night sort of guy. But I also love getting up early and doing stuff early. So I just know my body rhythms that... You know, I'm better physically and mentally, you know, in the first half of the day or the first three quarters of the day. So I kind of do the most important things there. Uh, and Phil Harris talked about it, Eric, last year. He's talked about AM energy and PM energy. Yeah. And they're often different. And they're not always the same. Some people are better in the PM than the AM. But you've got to recognise where you are better. So I think, you know, half an hour of gentle exercise, bit of stretching, occasional weights, just those things just combined. You don't have to go and join a fitness club if you don't want. You can do a little bit of exercise with a few sit-ups, a few push-ups, um, simple things. You can stretch on your banister at home, just a few little activities. So that would be number one. Before that, though, if I'm going back to the night before, is you've got to get a good night's rest. Yeah. Now, 
you know, I love going to bed early because I get up early and I just like at the end of the day relaxing into my sleep. What time do you go to sleep, John? I go to bed about 9.30. Yeah. So I usually get into bed, you know, people laugh about it. I often get into bed at 8, 8.30 because I eat early. It's yeah. one of my other tips for the other end of the day is eat early, not late, because you want it, your food well and truly digested before you go to sleep. I do remember we were at uh, one of your leadership conferences <laughs> two years ago. John said, let's catch up and have an uh, early meal. It was like six o'clock. And uh, then when they came over for the entrees, he said, oh, we might skip them because we don't want to have a, a, la a late dinner. We finished by about uh, three past seven. <laughs> well, look, you know, I think that, that's sort of the way I like to do it if I can. And, uh, and I hope, you know, and I appreciate some of my guests happy to uh, be flexible around that but um so you've got to get a good night's sleep now i don't know whether it's six seven or eight hours for me it's like seven or eight is a good night's sleep and i think your body needs from the research i've done your body needs an adequate time and i've also heard a lot of experts say the quality of the sleep you get before midnight yeah. is higher caliber than the quality of the sleep you get after so if you get seven hours sleep but you go to bed at 1 a.m and wake up at eight yeah. it's nowhere near as good as going to bed at 9 p.m. and waking up at 4, for yeah. example. It's a better seven hours before, by, if you get a few, just with your body rhythm. So check into that. I saw someone use a metaphor recently of, are you the CEO of your health? And I love that because, yeah. it, A, is it talks about you do have control of your health to the absolute majority, 99% of your health. Yeah, sure, we've got to live in a world with a few pollutants and so forth, but you control what goes into your mouth and what you do with your body. Um, Tony Robbins years ago said, you know, we are digging our graves with our teeth. Yeah. And, and that was also a, a scary but real metaphor in terms of what people eat. So, um, yeah, CEO of your health. A is it means you have control. B is it means it's damn important role in your life. Yeah. You should be CEO of your family or your relationship. And I'm not saying that means you're the leader or in control, but, yeah. you know, you've got to be there, you know, making sure that it's on track as you are with your health and your business. But a lot of people say, oh, I'm CEO of my business, but I, these other things, they'll just look after themselves. So you gotta look after that. A Couple other quick things, Tom, for me, um, yeah, really important um, to drink a lot of water. I mean, you know, we're drinking it now and, and I, I drink copious amounts and subsequently you have to go to the bathroom copious times of the day, but that's a small price to pay, yeah. I think, when you know, you've gotta keep your body. And again, experts argue, uh, you know, is it two litres a day, three litres a day? Well, I'm not gonna argue with any of them. I have between two and three litres um, and I'm just constantly drinking water all day long. In fact, sort of water is really the only drink. I usually have one or two coffees a day, um, no more than that, and I never have them after lunch. It's always before. And then it's just water all day. I, I mean, people that drink soft drink, craziness. Um, you know, I'm not an alcoholic drinker. I don't drink alcohol. However, I'm not against it in terms of if people do it, but just don't do it to excess. I mean, I see how some people turn after three drinks yeah. and they don't see it because they've become the monster. Yeah. But, you know, for someone else, especially someone that doesn't drink, that sort of observes this kind of activity, I think, wow, people should be really mindful Anything that can alter your state that quickly through some sort of you know, liquid imbibing, it's got to be a dangerous thing because that's sort of going right throughout your body. And what does intoxicated means? It means you're, you're putting toxins in your body. Yeah. That's what intoxicated comes from. So again, I'm not talking about you know, teetotaler and uh, you, know, you shouldn't have fun, but just be careful about what you eat, what you drink. If you want to go to the whole next level, which is sort of where I'm in the space at the moment, is around organic. Um, you know, I, I would eat most nights of the week and days if I can, depending on access to food and restaurants, is organic food. And nowadays, is it more expensive? Yes. Is it worth it? I think so. 
you know, is, is your diet per week rather than spending $100 in groceries, spending 140 I think that $40 extra is kind of a good investment because you think about it at basic level, and I have no shares in any organic food establishments, but I just believe in it. At a, at a basic level, um, the, the sprays that people spray on food to keep the pests away and to keep it growing through different cycles and seasons before it gets onto your plate and then goes into your bloodstream, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So, you know, I know we're starting to now drill down into some details, but I want one of the things I find, Tom, if people get really interested in a subject and they start reading it up and go to Google and getting a book and talking to people and going on a podcast like this about health, that information can often inspire them to start doing this stuff. And then they get on the treadmill, not the literal treadmill, the metaphoric of, wow, okay, I'm having the three litres, I'm having seven hours, I'm feeling better, I'm doing my half hour walk a day. Geez, I'm going to check out a bit of organic food. Um, I've cut down from two or three drinks a day to one drink every second day or whatever. So I think it's just sort of, hopefully it inspires people because the physical side, it's so critical. And I think, uh, John, you're right. A lot of people get obsessed with the topic. Sometimes they, they, they'll spend more time and energy becoming world-class at fishing or world-class on, on, on getting the latest gadget on their bike that it, lays, uh, that it weighs 10 grams less so they can ride faster, yet they don't put the time and energy and focus on the most important instrument that they have this body that is really the only thing that they came to the planet with. Yes. And um, You can't get another one. You know, there is the ability to make a few tweaks with operations, but at the end of the day, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. So you better look after it. Should we talk, John, briefly about the mental side? So we've touched on physical. We've talked about hydration. We've talked about sleep. we talked about um, eating well, organic. Let's just touch on the mental side of energy, and that is that... Um, the people that you hang out with, the blogs that you're reading, the stuff that you decipher and the eyes that you put it in through highly affects the energy levels that you'll rock up with. Yeah, I, I think there's sort of three things, Tom, that make sense to me. Number one is, what is your belief system? To me, that's like the hardware. Sorry, it's like the software, not the hardware. The body and the mind is sort of the hardware, but the beliefs are like the software that goes into your, your computer. So if you believe that life's hard, if you believe that you'll never get to the top, if you believe you'll never outlist that agent up the road from you, that's going to happen. So in terms of the mental state, you have to check your thinking. And I know we've talked about on our upcoming series, we're going to talk about getting rid of excuses and how critical that is. I'm not going to go into that in detail, but I think you've got to get rid of the beliefs that are holding you back. Because if you believe the life is hard, if you think the market's no good and you think in this market you can't sell a lot of property, that's a heavy way to get up every morning. Yeah. You actually want a lightness. So I think the first thing is what do you believe? So yeah. that's the software. And some people are still operating on like Commodore 64. I don't know if you yeah. remember back. You might be a bit young, but you know. No, like, no, no, I had the Amiga. I had the Commodore 64. <laughs> I had them all, John. <laughs> I remember when that first one came, you know, and we were all just infatuated with this huge big box and I don't think it ever did anything except play that Pac-Man game that was <laughs> all you ever got from it but you know it was the first computer and nowadays you know they're tiny they're in our phones and they've got you know 10,000 times the capacity anyway um, so I think make sure you're, you've got the latest software going into your brain second thing is what do you feed your mind with and what do you not let into your mind so not let into your mind is getting rid of things people activities that hold you back mentally and therefore energetically. So for me, that means a couple of things. Number one is I don't generally do things I don't want to do. Um, now, that 
it's not meant to sound selfish, but it's around... And you know, I, I'll often do some things that maybe it's not one on my list, but it's really important to do. You know, speaking with a charity, for example, like I might say I've got a lot of stuff on my plate right now to travel to Perth and speak for an hour um, to a group of 100 people may not be. But, you know, that's an important activity to help other people. So, But when we come back to it and I look at it, you know, so I don't do social functions because I find them exhausting, yeah. not terribly rewarding. Yeah. Um, and so I would rather be at home with my partner at night relaxing, yeah. going for a walk, having a nice early, early meal um, with some friends, than going to a cocktail function with 100 people that I don't know. Um, and, I, and I love networking during the day. I actually love meeting people, connecting in association with my business. Yeah. I just then choose not to go and do it after hours because I want to be refreshed. I want to be doing things that I want to do with people I want to do them with. So I think some people got to get a bit tougher on saying no. I like, I, I, John, I've got to tell you, I like what I'm hearing in the sense that I see a lot of people doing things that they don't want to do to please others. They right. have this addiction to, to, to please others and they will actually out-energise themselves. They'll put themselves down to please someone that a lot of times they don't really care about. It's a little bit of wanting to be accepted in the group. Um, so what you're saying is do things that energise you, do things that make you happy. It's stop doing things that don't. Right. That gives you time because that cocktail function that you don't really want to be at, you could be going for a walk for half an hour. Yeah. One's really probably not going to add to your life, although I love business networking, as I said, so that's, that's as an aside. Um, I remember in the early days you talked about acceptance. Um, because when you start building a little profile in your mini community around you as an agent, and a lot of our listeners are in that position, you start getting invited to things because yeah. people meet you and, and if you look after them, they like... And, and I remember that I used to be out nearly every second night in the early days because people would send me invites to an art gallery opening or a function or a black tie ball or whatever it was. And all, I mean, all nice things. Um, but I, I, I sort of couldn't say no to anyone because I was afraid if I said no, they would stop inviting me. Then I realised they'd stop inviting me to things I didn't want to go to. Yeah. So, you know, I took the decision that I would network during the day in my course of business. And I'm delighted to do a Chamber of Commerce lunch, a breakfast with some business colleagues. In fact, I love doing those things, but I know where to draw the line. So I think that's certainly one. The other thing is friends, Tom. You know, we talk about it and, you know, friends are so important, but we also know that sometimes the people that, and it's not always friends, it can be acquaintances, that we hang out with, or maybe people that thrust themselves into our, into our energetic field, they're negative, they're critical, that you feel worse after you've been with them. And I think you need to try and find a way to avoid or limit those, those interactions because you want to be with people where you feel better when you're around them yeah. and you feel like you can like walk through a brick wall when you've had a coffee with yeah. them. That's the sort of energy you want. So They're either bringing you up or putting you down, aren't they, John? Generally, yeah. acquaintances and friends around you. Yeah, and it's just some people don't even know it. They just have a habit of being negative. Yeah, everything they walk in and, oh, this is no good and that's no good and it's too cold and it's too hot. Rather than just like going with the flow, they're like, you know, super critical. And that, that sort of rubs off. Energy that you give out um, goes to others and energy other people gives out washes over you. John, I was working with a real estate agent uh, in Melbourne and he said to me, as he made the shift going from being average to being good, and he said there came a time where he said, um, enough of me being an ordinary agent. He said that he noticed the people around him in numbers shrunk. 
yep. less people seem to be around you as you make the decision. You're waking up at different times, you're doing different things. People start getting a gist that you're on a different path. And you gotta cope with that, don't you? Because in many yep. ways, you're sort of saying that um, we're going in a different direction. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the other side of that coin is you start attracting and, and start connecting with people that are going in the same direction as your new life decision. Yeah. And I love, you know, what I loved about that story you just told is someone made a decision they're going to shift from average to greatness or whatever was their word and I think that's where it all starts and that's where you do have to I mean you know, commitment is not about moderation and you know sort of flip-flopping around commitment is about making a decision and then doing what it takes to make the best of that decision so I think that's really critical and the other thing not just people but it's stuff now you know I don't watch the six o'clock news at night and I don't listen to you know the news radio in the morning on the way to work um, not to be critical of either, because they're they're both you know all of there's many great produced shows that are informative with very talented presenters. But what I do know is, if I turn on channel nine, seven, or ten at six o'clock and watch the news, ninety five percent of the stuff I'm putting into my head at that point is negative. So even without thinking about it, I'm putting myself in front of a device that's going to shoot thirty minutes worth of negativity at me. And then if I decide to watch some of those other shows straight yeah. afterwards, you know, the 6.30 type news, current affair type stories, yeah. I'm giving myself an hour of negativity. Yeah. So, you know, again, go for a walk for half an hour. You, know, you don't need the 6 o'clock news or the 7 a.m. drive time session in the morning to inform you on stuff. You'll, 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 John, I think you'll find out if there's a tsunami coming, you don't have to be watching the news. You'll, you'll find out with what we've got today, social media, people talking. Uh, uh, eventually. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny you talk about that because the Syrian war, and, and also I don't want, you know, my comments to be taken as I don't care about world issues. I mean, I, I, I'm a very compassionate person and I care about and I want the world and the planet and the economy globally to all be the best it possibly can. But I also know there are certain things that are in my circle of influence yeah. that I can have some dramatic impact on and there are certain things that I, I don't have a lot of influence on. And, and it was like, I think, about two weeks into the Syrian war uh, or the attacks on Syria that someone mentioned something to me and I said, what's happening over there? And they looked at me like I'd come from another planet. And they say, don't you, don't you know? And I said, no, but uh, tell me. And it was interesting that, you know, even some things that are kind of big but still probably quite negative um, can really that be avoided. John, that is, to me, a golden nugget. To our listeners listening there, the fact is that interest rates and overseas war, whilst they're all important issues, you can't do much about them. So what's the point of getting immersed with too much of your time that you've got? Why not immerse your time into things that will affect your life? Well, Tommy, look at this. If, if, a great example. If instead of watching the 6 o'clock news every night or listening to the 7 a.m. drive time, you spend half an hour listening to a podcast, listening to, you know, not just this one, but there's a range of other great podcasts. Just go and search them. Listening to Seth Godin, yeah. uh, listening to Tom Peters on your way to work or at the end of the day. The impact you'll have in three, six, nine months of your life will be profound because you'll take negativity out and you'll bring positivity, new ideas and, and inspiration in. And that, that has a, an absolutely profound effect on your life. I mean, Dr. Fred Gross, who's you know, a great friend of yours and mine and a mentor um, and coach, years ago he said to me, what the Dow Jones did last night is none of your business. Yeah. 
you know, it, it's, it's really, you can't help it. If you're a share trader on Wall Street, it's relevant. Yeah. For the rest of the world, which is 99.99%, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at it, and even now, if I'm in the gym in the morning on a treadmill and the news comes up, I actually don't watch it because now they've got the damn ticker tapes on the bottom. Yeah. So even with the yeah. sound muted, yeah. if someone else is listening to it with speakers, yeah. Yeah, so I, I actually go to great lengths, so I look away. And, you know, because I'm always listening to iPods or music and podcasts like this. Because that's the stuff that gets so, while you're working on your body, you can be working on your mind at the same time. So, um, you know, look, I think that sort of nails it. I don't want to overcomplicate it with people. I think at the end of the day, we made the point that, number one, energy is critical. As Oprah said, it's all we've got. That's what sets us apart. So the question is, how do I increase my energy? Well, there's probably two key things. One is physically, two is mentally. Physically, there's a few things, a bit of exercise, good rest, hydration and, and food, good food. And, and then the mental stuff is get rid of the stuff that you don't want to be um, involved with. It's clogging your brain up. Um, and then bring more of the good stuff that's really going to enrich your, your body and soul and spirit mentally. That's the sort of stuff. So you know, hopefully, if, you know, having listened to today's uh, podcast, if, if you know, our, our listeners can sort of just make two or three or four changes, and then that becomes a momentum type thing. Excellent. They say that uh, 80% of winning is beginning. We're hoping that maybe one of the things that was said may have sparked something in your mind, something that you knew that you should be doing. Um, until next time, it's Tom Panos and John McGrath. Thanks.